Welcome to Redefining Reality, where we live at the intersection of wellness, business, and the birth of a global tribe. So relax your body-mind, open your heart, and recognize that we are the ones we've been waiting for. Welcome back, my friends, movers, shakers, lovers, creators, entrepreneurs, business owners, people just doing their thing in the world, whatever that might be. I thank you for joining us. This is Redefining Reality, and this week's episode comes to you from another live edition of Holistic Biohacking at Alternity with my friend Roland Pankowicz. Me and Roland met in nutrition school, and in this episode, we focus on the brain. The next couple episodes are going to be all about the brain and upgrading and enhancing cognitive performance. And so we touch on a lot of really cool stuff. We touch on his top brain health tips, certain supplements, nutrients, hacks that we can use to enhance our cognitive health. We talk about a really cool thing he's got coming out called health optimization medicine, which is the cutting edge of not just not being sick, right? Not just preventing um, deficiencies and disease as our current model looks at, but rather optimizing the entire system so we can live our best lives. As always, the sponsor for this episode is our friend at Audible. Audible is amazing. Such a great service. As I've said for the past few weeks, I've been listening to Braiding Sweetgrass. And it is a game changer. I just finished it yesterday, but I'm probably going to go back and listen to it again because there's just so much wisdom in that book. And to get your free trial and free audio book, just go to www.audibletrial.com slash Brian Hardy. That's B-R-Y-A-N-H-A-R-D-Y and grab yourself a free audio book and 30 days of Audible service. You don't have to give it back at the end of the service. And you can, if you choose to, cancel before that period is up so that you don't get charged. So it's a no-lose situation. I know I'm hooked on Audible, and I really love seeing that credit show up in my account each month. And it's a game changer because I don't know about you, but I don't make the time to read. So listening as I do other stuff is how I do it. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Brian Hardy. Without further ado, we're going to launch this off. And I'm curious, if you're listening to this and you've heard some of the live episodes, does it make sense to just rebrand the whole podcast, Holistic Biohacking, rather than Redefining Reality? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm curious to know your feedback or whether they should be separate, separate entities. Either way, I thank you. I love you for showing up and for tuning in and for caring. And enjoy this episode with Roland Pankowicz. Peace. We are live. If you are tuning in, give us a thumbs up or a smiley or a heart or something to let us know that you can see and hear us all right. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all here in person 
for coming out for what is the fourth edition, the fourth episode of Holistic Biohacking. I'm Brian Hardy, wellness coach and nutritionist, and my guest today is someone that I actually met at the Institute of Holistic Nutrition. A few years uh, ago, yeah. Yeah, I can't believe it. Time's flying. But um, a fellow, you know, brother on the path of optimal health and wellness and hacking the body-mind system to feel better, do better, you know, perform at our highest potential. And that is Mr. Roland Pankowicz. Hey, everyone. So thank you for coming out. It means a lot. I'm really excited. Today's episode, we are going to focus in on the brain. So cognitive health, performance, um, ways we can increase our output, increase our ability to choose what sort of brain state we want to be in, right? Rather than be sort of the slave of ups and downs and highs and lows and not really knowing what's going on, we want to really focus in on some strategies, some things to experiment with around how to express our highest potential when it comes to the brain. But before we get into that, I want to give everyone out there a little bit of background on you. And also announce that, I mean, today, congratulations on launching your own podcast. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's a big cool. day. Metabolic Mastery Radio. If you're out there, look it up. iTunes, Google Play, all that fun stuff. Um, knowing Roland, I imagine those episodes are going to go pretty deep into the science. They go down some rabbit holes for sure. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be some exciting stuff. Yeah, no, I look forward to listening to those. Um, so that's exciting. Um, but... You know, so we met at nutrition school. I know you had a background in exercise and fitness training before that. Mm -hmm. um, but just, just walk us through a little bit how you are, you know, using those experiences and, you know, what that's brought you to doing today and sort of your whole passion for this side of things. Yeah, I guess I'll tell the story, right? Everyone likes the, the story. So... I do have a background in exercise. I actually studied exercise mechanics as a focus, and I really liked working with two populations, the high-performance athlete and the broken person, mm. the person who's got a knee thing, a back thing, or whatever, something they can't overcome physically. And it was a really rewarding uh, and challenging experience as far as profession goes because you're solving puzzles. Obviously, on the people who love their jobs the most, if you use an analogy, there's you know, uh, people who put dolls together in assembly lines or there's someone who's designing the doll. Mm. People who typically are more fulfilled are the ones who are designing and creating. So that's kind of how I looked at what it is I did um, until I came to this point in life where I was a little bit uh, challenged with uh, a venture that I tried to launch with someone. Mm. didn't work out so well, so I was kind of left out, uh, left out on my butt not knowing what to do. And I remember I was having a conversation with my wife and my girlfriend at the time, and I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. She said, why don't you become a nutritionist? You know, people ask you nutritional advice anyways. Why don't you do something? And I just sat there. I remember where I was sitting in the, in the kitchen of my apartment in Toronto thinking, huh, that's a really good idea. So that led me to looking at some schools, coming across the Institute of Holistic Nutrition, where obviously we were both graduates from, and it just felt right. And mm -hmm. through the program, I had some great experiences, met some fantastic teachers and instructors. And at one point, uh, the director of the school said, Roland, I know what classes you're going to teach for me when you graduate. And then I'm thinking, what, what am I going to do teaching? I don't know how to teach. I don't know how to educate. And true to her word, after my graduation, you know, there was the fast track to here's your first course. 
and that led to another course in speaking opportunities, which made me realize what I really love to do in this industry, which was get into the deep science stuff, as you alluded to before. Mm. And that has brought me to working with an amazing supplement company called ATP, or Athletic Therapeutic Pharma, as their educator, mm. uh, which has opened doors for me to get into places and learn things that I would have never dreamed uh, I would have been able to because it's all passion driven. Mm. So that's kind of the story of where it came from and where it's going to go. I mean, there's there's lots of potential opportunities in the pipeline, which you can probably get into later. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, but to start it off, right, I want to really give some of the science around the brain, mm -hmm. right, and help, help paint the picture for folks to understand the direct connection between sort of the biochemical um, processes mm -hmm. Um, physiological processes that go on and how that translates to our experience of you know either having energy or not or being able to focus and learn or not right and sort of uh, build that up a little bit and then maybe maybe we'll dive into a few places where a lot of people are kind of going wrong or have uh, leaks maybe sure. in their energy um, and potentially some strategies to fill those in Sure, I think that's a great idea. I think we need to start by introducing the brain as a, a standalone topic, but also an integrative topic. So what I mean by that is the brain gets special treatment a lot because people don't associate it to be an organ, just like that of the heart or the liver or the digestive system. That makes it more complex because people look at the brain as a separate thing that has a higher level of complexity. So it's, it's something that you don't think small strategies can really affect. Mm. But fundamentally, like the heart, like the liver, like the digestive system, the brain is just that. It's an organ. It requires nutrients. It requires energy. So when we start looking at it from that simplistic standpoint, you can start to see how things affect the brain a lot more. Mm. I find most people I see suffer from the common issues as it relates to brain health. One either memory loss, short-term memory loss specifically. Mm. reason I say short-term memory loss is because to make a memory from something you just intook information-wise, it takes a lot of energy. Long-term memories are much easier to sustain because they don't require the same amount of energy. Mm. So that's a big issue. Uh, I see a lot of people dealing with brain fog or mood instabilities. A lot of those things are due to interactions with other parts of the body. Mm. Uh, and then there's the aspects that are more disease process focused, things like cognitive decline, uh, be it dementia, Alzheimer's, things that people are worried about getting if they've seen family members suffer from. And those are usually things that develop insidiously under the surface. It's not something that you can contract within a few months. Mm. Someone has Alzheimer's, dementia, what have you, Parkinson's, those things that cause that disease process have been at play for years under the surface. Yeah. And they manifest only when the body can no longer suppress the symptoms and compensate for lack of optimal function. Mm -hmm. So that's how we have to look at the brain, I think. Because the brain is something that needs energy. The brain is something that requires a steady intake of nutrients, uh, specialized nutrients, things like neurotransmitters. Hormones affect the brain, and hormones are also controlled by the brain for other parts of the body. Mm -hmm. So that's where we really have to start looking and how those things are affected by all of the inputs. The inputs being diet, stress, exercise, sleep, lifestyle, and then you know over and above the more as you cut the biohacking stuff, where I think a lot of people want to uh, investigate and implement more, but more so at the expense of getting the basics right. Yeah, I mean, it's very easy to want to jump onto like the sexy, light, you know, technologies mm -hmm. or sound things or, um, 
whatever it is, right? Those like more high level things mm-hmm. that, yeah, there's a lot of appeal. There's a lot of attraction um, because, you know, going to sleep on time every night isn't really sexy. It's not that sexy. It's not that exciting to go to bed at 10 o'clock. You're no. like, oh, I go to bed at 12.30. You know, you don't want to tell people that you're, you're trying to prioritize sleep, but, mm-hmm. you know, you want to get into the science. We have this thing called the circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it is essentially a, a natural rhythm of the body as it relates to light cycles. So morning, when the sun comes up, that's the initiation of the new phase of our circadian rhythm in the evening. When the sun goes down, that is the, the end of that phase of that day's circadian rhythm. So why that's important is those are subconscious influences that will directly affect brain function. Mm. So when we wake up in the morning, what happens? Well, we see some sort of light, unless we woke up with an alarm, then we get jolted awake by a sound. Yeah. Raises cortisol. Cortisol is going to raise blood sugar. It's going to stimulate the release of other hormones upon waking. Mm. So that can actually get us up out of bed, energetic to start our day. In the evening, the light goes down. We're supposed to start producing this hormone called melatonin which is produced by the eye's lack of sunlight or lack of light uh, reception. And what melatonin does, it's almost like a cycle-regulating hormone. that It initiates the sleep process, the shutdown, if you will. Mm-hmm. But many people don't follow the natural circadian rhythm of the day, so their brain doesn't know when it's day and when it's night. So it can't actually control for normal circadian processes that relate to optimal health. It becomes disenchanted with the whole circadian rhythm aspect mm. and leads to imbalanced physiological processes in the body, namely not optimal regeneration of the brain and its functions. Mm-hmm. Well, and a big part of that I've come to appreciate more recently is, um, you know, the, the glymphatic system, right? So the sort of the brain-specific lymphatics. Um, and I heard, I heard something the other day, something like three pounds of toxins are processed by that system each year on average. Mm-hmm which is a lot of material, right? Yeah. Which makes sense given the environment most of us find ourselves in these days. Um, And so as as well, like in association with the circadian rhythms and just that energetic cycle, it's the actual like the detox, right? And the consolidation of memories and Mm -hmm. like the processing of what we've experienced that, that only happens if we're sleeping, you know, the way we should be sleeping. Yes. And getting into those deeper stages of sleep, which many people don't even get into. No, and, and you know, you touch on an interesting thing there. The brain does have its own immune system, something mm-hmm. that was actually quite recently discovered in terms of the detail and the, and the depth of how it works. Mm-hmm. So why melatonin is important, most people think melatonin is a sleep aid. Melatonin is the cycle regulator, but melatonin is arguably one of our top three most important antioxidants in the body. Mm-hmm. And specifically, it's the main antioxidant for the brain, which is an energy-hungry organ. And anytime there's a lot of energy production, you have an increased production of free radicals, which can be harmful. Mm-hmm. So at night, we have this release of melatonin, which allows us to help kind of mop up all the slop that our brains can intake through the course of the day, because we have this thing called a, bro- a blood-brain barrier. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, this covering around our brain that determines what gets in and what gets out. Typically, nutrients get in, Toxins are supposed to get out or toxins can't get in because the molecule might be too large to fit across the very tightly bound blood-brain barrier. The issue becomes if you have a leaky brain, which is typically correlated with having a leaky gut, which is Mm -hmm. a problem with inflammation, then you have a lot of these things that can cross a blood-brain barrier and actually affect the functions of the brain through what's called oxidative damage. 
Mm. And oxidative damage is nothing more than too much oxygen interacting with compounds and causing like a rusting effect. Mm. So, you know, after you've, uh, it's rained outside, what do the brakes of someone's car look like if they haven't driven it? They start to get that orangey tint. Mm-hmm. It's called oxidation. Yeah. So it doesn't happen in the exact same way because our brains are pure iron, but there are metals, iron, copper, uh, zinc, selenium, those kinds of things are actually brain-specific nutrients. Mm-hmm. And when too many oxidative chemicals or oxidative reactions happen within the brain, we can cause too much oxidative damage, what can cause inflammation. And then you don't consolidate those memories and you don't allow the brain to detoxify because the, the lymphatic system has two channels where it kind of drops into the lymphatic system out of the brain. And those things are actually sent to processing plants like the liver or the kidneys so they can get detoxified and removed from the body when we go to the washroom or when we have a bowel movement or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. So if we're not allowing the natural circadian rhythm to take hold, we're bypassing the optimal process of nightly detoxification of our brain. Mm-hmm. Which then, over you know years and decades, leads to, you know, Alzheimer's or exactly. cancer of the brain or whatever it is. It really doesn't matter. the The, the disease is manifestation is really just a result of what's happening under the surface. Mm-hmm. When you strip away everything from the brain, you squeeze out all the water. It's essentially a pound of, a few pounds of fat, right? Mm-hmm. Fats and proteins. Yeah. These nerves and synapses they talk to each other. These neural connections, but the structural tissue of the brain is very fragile. It's almost like a mixture of jello and pudding, right? And it's enveloped in this myelin covering, which kind of protects it. Um, But it's a very fragile substance. And fats, as you know from nutrition school, some fats do not like to interact with oxygen or with light or with any kind of heat, right? Mm -hmm. So if you oxidize a fat, you change the chemical structure. When you change the chemical structure, you change the function. So now you have this organ that can't promote what it's supposed to do. It can't metabolize energy properly. Mm-hmm. It can't detoxify properly. Therefore, it doesn't function properly. And you start to see the regression of some people's cognitive abilities that might be segmented to the body. I mean, like, now we'll take Parkinson's. It's a loss of control. It's a mm-hmm. loss of being able to control muscle inhibition. So you have this part of the brain that makes dopamine that can't actually make it anymore because of oxidative stress have compromised the mitochondrial function in that part of the brain. And these people have physical manifestations of a slow decline of the control of the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And touching on nutrients, touching on fat, I'd love to dive into that for a little bit, right? Sure. Because I feel like a lot of people, and it's even still being taught in some, you know, I don't know if it's still being taught, but for a long time it was taught in a lot of like nutrition and uh, metabolism sort of textbooks that the brain needs sugar right the brain requires glucose in order to function mm-hmm. now we know that the brain prefers glucose if it's available right and we'll use it as that's a fast burning easily used form of sugar form of energy mm-hmm. but we also know that ketones uh, which are the breakdown products of fat if you haven't heard about that that's, that's all it is ketone is essentially fat used as fuel um, but so we know that ketones can have an affinity for the brain and really, I mean, a huge benefit with the whole ketogenic movement people talk about is clarity, right? It's mental clarity, stable energy, the ability to focus. Um, and so I think about, you know, the average person, maybe they're waking up, a lot of people seem to have coffee and some form of sugar for breakfast. And then they're crashing by, you know, 10, 11 a.m. And so what would be some, some easy tips for how we can give the brain the fuel or give our bodies the fuel that are gonna you know, 
give us a healthy brain and body mm. and, and prevent those crashes and really nourish and provide that energy right for this energy um, very high energy demanding organ mm -hmm. what are some of the ways that you like to you know nourish that and give that the best source of sources of fuel yeah that's a great question uh, I think I, I'm gonna have to say my answer is dependent upon the who we're talking about uh, because some people can metabolize sugar, some people can't. It really depends on the state of things like inflammation in your body, how good your metabolism works. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is that the average person having a big hit of caffeine and sugar first thing in the morning is they imbalance a couple different areas. They flood their metabolism with easy to burn energy that has a, a, a lifespan. So you have this elevation, you have this crash. Mm -hmm. and usually we feel great on the elevation, we feel really bad on the crash. Yeah. Uh, and then we have this stimulant, caffeine, that will promote a bit of a stress hormone release so we get more alert. It does help the brain function better acutely, but long-term it can lead to a little bit of a, almost like an exhaustion. Mm. So the best thing that I, I have determined from my own experience and from some of the, my clients I've worked with is instead of having a caffeine sugar hit first thing in the morning, when we wake up, as I mentioned, cortisol is high. That's a hormone that actually raises blood sugar. Mm -hmm. So your blood sugar is highest naturally in the morning. You don't need to consume more sugar on top of that because that might cause a bit of an increase in a crash which will cause another blood sugar spike from high cortisol later. Mm -hmm. I tell people to have a protein fat rich breakfast for the most part uh, and it doesn't have to be you know if you don't like the whole bulletproof thing the whole butter and coffee whatever it could be something as simple as you know uh, a couple eggs and, and an omelet with some vegetables and some avocado on the side. Mm -hmm. uh, could be a black coffee with something like that you want to have protein and fat because they're longer burning fuels, they're more sustaining, and specialized nutrients called neurotransmitters are things that are made from proteins. Mm. So your body will digest those proteins and convert them into neurotransmitters, which help optimize specific aspects of brain function. Mm -hmm. And the benefit to the average person is you don't get that crash around 10, 11, because your blood sugar is far more stable yeah. as a result of your food choices. So mm -hmm. you're not going to be as hungry, because usually hunger as you described it isn't physiological hunger it's like a blood sugar crash that your body wants to quickly restore and when you have a blood sugar crash you're not reaching for broccoli and carrot sticks you want the sugary stuff mm -hmm. you want a candy bar you want a coke you want something like or another coffee and sugar right then you get into this cycle of just chronically raising and lowering cortisol throughout the day mm -hmm. so that would be my best suggestion some of the best fats you can use, uh, MCT oils are becoming very popular. Mm -hmm. You mentioned ketones. The benefit of ketones as they relate to cognitive health are as they, they improve energy metabolism in the brain. Mm. So they promote an optimal state of energy metabolism in the brain. So MCT oil from like a Bulletproof, the PVL, there's some good companies that make them out there. Mm. I will say be careful with your MCT oil. Too much of it will cause disaster pants. Yeah. You do not want to go to work when you have disaster pants. You might no. not make it to work. So that's something that's interesting. And then obviously mm -hmm. good essential fats from the omega-3 EPA, DHA family. Things like egg yolks, fish oils. Mm -hmm. uh, you might be able to get away with some flax, some hemp, some chia. Mm -hmm. Those are essential fats that the brain really does need on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And those who are deficient in them typically have uh, a decline of cognitive function over the course of years of deficiency. Yeah. Yeah, and so playing off that, uh, there's a couple of things I want to zoom in on there, right? So first, just being um, the importance of consuming cholesterol, but not necessarily oxidized cholesterol, mm -hmm. right? So, and I mean, it's all in, in a spectrum, and I really wonder what it would be over the course of a lifetime. Say one person has, you know, three eggs, 
sunny side up, mm -hmm. like really, um, you know, not cooked yolks, and someone has a three egg omelet, yeah. over the course of a lifetime, how much, you know, difference are we gonna see? Hard to, hard to say. But I always say to people, if you can, if you enjoy eggs with soft yolks, to do that. I agree with that statement. Okay. Cholesterol is one of these weird things we've demonized. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, the original cholesterol studies were done on rabbits. Yeah. And thinking through the fault in that, I mean, giving an herbivore cholesterol, they're not going to be able to process it. So it's not going to be a good outcome, number one. Two, we're not rabbits, we're humans. We're yeah. Far more uh, complex in certain aspects. The issue surrounding cholesterol is, as you said, oxidized cholesterol. So mm -hmm. that's that same uh, description I, I mentioned before, where you basically add oxygen to a molecule, you change its structure. Mm -hmm. Oxidized cholesterol is the problem from a consumption standpoint because it is a bit of a, a toxic compound. But we make most of the cholesterol that's in our systems. We make mm -hmm. it from fats, carbs, proteins in our liver. And the body uses cholesterol as a, a structural component, right? It's mm -hmm. almost like the... Um, it's almost like the glue that holds together a paper mache structure, right? It's, yeah. it's something that's needed to hold something in place and it also prevents uh, a sex excessive oxidation of things. It's a molecule that is very robustly rigid to being broken down. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to consuming cholesterol from diet, from shrimp, eggs, and all that kind of stuff, it likely has very little correlation with blood cholesterol levels. The brain is actually one of the most uh, hungry consumers of cholesterol in the body because it's so fat dense and needs yeah. it for protection. So I wouldn't worry about that. I would worry about if you, you know, deep fried cholesterol, that wouldn't be a good idea. So if mm -hmm. you're gonna have like deep fried coconut shrimp or something, that's probably not optimal, but typically people have high cholesterol because they have excessive inflammation in their body. Yeah. It's a symptom of something. It, it alludes to something going on, but it's not the direct fault of what it's being blamed for. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have the sugar industry as well to, to thank for some of the science that cemented that sort yeah. of an idea. Fastest way to raise cholesterol is to binge on high carb, high fat foods at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's another piece that, uh, that you mentioned there about essential fats, mm -hmm. right? And the long chains, the EPA, the DHA, the things that really have been shown to um, improve the structure and function of the brain, right? So like eat high EPA fish oil, is as effective, if not more so, than antidepressants, right, for treating depression. Mm -hmm. um, and then DHA is the more structural component. Um, and you mentioned about, I'm just thinking for you know, people that might be vegetarian or vegan, right? And so they're like, oh, I don't eat fish, but I have flax, right? Because there's a lot of omega-3. Mm -hmm. um, but understanding that that's, that's not the same omega-3, right? And that our body is limited in the amount that it can convert of say the omega-3 from flax to the DHA or the EPA. I have seen one study that showed that curcumin, another great anti-inflammatory brain-enhancing herb found in turmeric, right? So all your curries, those delicious yellow curries, that bright orange flavor, that's the curcuminoids and so forth. Mm -hmm. And they've actually shown that if you consume curcumin with the plant-based omega-3s, you can significantly improve the uh, the conversion to a longer form. So I always say to people, if you're not if you're not going to eat fish, at least have lots of curcumin or turmeric with your flax and chia and mm -hmm. hemp. Um, but also algae oil I've seen. So vegan friendly algae oil with preformed DHA. 
right? Because a lot of people just don't get the DHA. Well, yeah, that's an important point. <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of good, uh, good points you touched on there. I think that the average person likely does not get enough cold water seafood if they're an omnivore. And DHA being the end game of all essential fatty acid omega-3 consumption is the most important of the three. Because mm. DHA, as you said, has a very important structural component in the brain. But it also allows um, our eyes to function properly. We have more DHA in the retina than we actually do in the brain in terms of concentration. Mm. So people aren't replacing DHA and they're consuming, sorry, they're, they're not replacing it and they're utilizing too much of it for regular biological processes. Deficiencies usually when symptoms start to arise. So absolutely, getting some cold water mm. fish if you can. Supplements do also have benefit. Um, there are a lot of different forms of supplementation out there. Yeah. So like a triglyceride fish oil versus an ethyl ester. Depends yeah. on what you're going for. If you want the inflammatory mediated benefits, you're likely want to, going, want to go do something like a high EPA fish oil. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it does affect depression. Typically speaking, depression from a root causative factor can be associated with inflammation in certain parts of the brain. Yeah. So when you block inflammation, like fish oil does, it's mm -hmm. not directly anti-inflammatory, but it blocks an increase in inflammatory processes. Mm -hmm. uh, the body can start to self-heal because it's calming the inflammation. It's not starting to compromise the structural tissues. Mm -hmm. The DHA is also very important uh, because DHA will allow the structure of the brain to be properly formed, and structure always determines function. So if you're not getting enough DHA, certain parts of the brain, the gray matter typically from my understanding, at least I think so, has higher concentrations of DHA in it. Okay. And the specific processes that they play out in the brain cannot be undertaken unless there's enough DHA. Mm. Now the benefit is we don't use a lot on a daily basis. We probably use, I don't know, milligrams of DHA on a daily basis. So we stockpile it. Mm. So it doesn't mean you have to be taking 10, 15, 30 grams of fish oil every day. I actually think it's a bad practice. Mm. Fish oil is very fragile. Being said, if you do not want to eat fish, supplementing with a teaspoon of fish oil every day, if it's a good quality, is likely a very good practice. Yeah. On the other side, for the vegans, vegetarians, it is harder. Men do not convert as well as women do. Mm. So women can convert ALA from flax oil to EPA DHA much better. My theory is because they have to grow a human. So they're going to have sense. a lot Makes more requirements mm -hmm. to be able to grow the brain of a child. Mm. So some people, again, it's individualized to the person. I'm sure some people can get by. I just don't think it's optimal long-term because we do have these things that do come from animals that we do require. Things mm -hmm. like iron, heme iron, B12, essential fats. The algaeols interest me. I don't know a ton about them, but their EPA DHA concentrations look to be high enough that they can be a good stand-in for replacing cold water fish. Mm -hmm. And if you look at traditional cultures, you look at uh, cultures of the East, specifically India, they don't eat a lot of seafood out there from my understanding, but they always have curcumin with a lot of their cooking. It's like a, sta a staple spice in their diet. So mm -hmm. you look at the wisdom of some of these old cultures and maybe they didn't know the science of what they were doing, but they just knew that this combination worked. Mm -hmm. So that's a great piece of inf information and advice that you gave to people. Anything that can block inflammation is also gonna improve the ability to absorb, convert, and utilize. It's a yeah. Great idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the other thing about India, right, is they traditionally would have used a lot of ghee, yes. right? a lot of dairy in general, mm -hmm. and if that's good quality raw dairy, mm -hmm. that can be very, very healthful. Um, so ghee, so again, another cholesterol saturated fat, 
mixing all the spices together. I mean, countless spices that they would use. Which are oftentimes very anti-inflammatory, mm -hmm. very good for the digestive system. Mm -hmm. It's a very strong connection with gut health and brain health. Well, that, that's a perfect segue because I was just thinking we need to tie this in, right? The, the gut-brain connection and how oftentimes it begins. I mean, the way we were taught and the way it seems to really be is that health begins and ends in the gut, right? And so if you don't have a healthy gut, it's, in my eyes, it's almost impossible to feel good, right? Because so much of that neurotransmitter production takes place as a part of healthy digestion. Yeah, and this is where it gets complicated, so mm. we're gonna try to tie it all together in a simplistic way. So I look at it as kind of a triangle, right? You have three things on each corner. You have the brain, you have the gut, and you have the immune system. Mm. You could say the brain can also have like a segue, uh, an offshoot of the, the rest of the neurological system, the nervous system and all that. But from a digestive perspective, we want a tube that's sealed and a tube that processes things well. Mm -hmm. So at its basic level, it digests food properly, it absorbs food properly, and it gets waste out of our bodies. Mm -hmm. So when we take something in, we break it down, we chew it, hopefully well. Uh, stomach makes enough acid to not only break down proteins, but to kill things like pathogens, parasites, bacteria that come in on our food. And then our pancreas and our gallbladder team up with the small intestine to further digest things, more carbohydrates, more fats. Mm -hmm. And then our small intestine, it's actually not small at all, it's very misleading. If you were to stretch it out, it's about the width, the length of a tennis court or two. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of surface area to pull in as much nutrition as we can. And then once we've pulled everything in, we start to concentrate waste materials, um, husks of foods, fibers, uh, and then we concentrate it in the colon. And our bacteria break things down to optimize the environment in there. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully we rid our body of waste material so we don't auto-intoxicate ourselves and cause inflammation, oxidative damage locally there. Mm -hmm. So when that whole process starts to break down, we have a disruption of digestive function, which is gonna cause a disruption of immune function. Mm. Talked about this thing called leaky gut before. Imagine like a brick and mortar, right? A building, you can't see through it. You know the structure is one continuous, solid, impenetrable wall. Mm -hmm. Our digestive system is very similar. We have these cells that are stuck together and injury or some kind of incidence as it relates to the gut can start to cause a permeability or a widening out of these cells so undigested molecules can fall between the gaps and mm -hmm. get into the bloodstream, which causes the immune system to get really angry. Yeah. When it becomes sensitized to a food, the immune system locally at the gut can raise the alarm every time we eat that. So when people have gluten allergies, dairy allergies, uh, eggs, soy, peanuts, it's not the fault of the food. Mm -hmm. It's a dysfunctional biology in relation to that food. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is you start to get these immune complexes, these inflammatory compounds that are created and also made as a result of us eating this inflammatory food. Mm -hmm. And I said before, we have this blood-brain barrier that can also get leaky. These things can cross the blood-brain barrier and if an inflammatory reaction is carried out in the brain, we see that as a mood change, uh, forgetfulness, brain fog, uh, emotional instabilities. Mm -hmm. And then we necessarily don't digest properly, we don't get those neurotransmitters. So we take them from amino acids, right? Tyrosine for dopamine. Uh, we have uh, glutamine can turn into glutamate and GABA. Mm -hmm. uh, we have tryptophan to serotonin. 
and then we have something called choline that we get, acetylcholine that we get from choline, a fatty tissue. Mm -hmm. So if we don't make those, then our brain can't communicate with the rest of the body via our neurological system properly, and then things start to break down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's clear that it's all tied together, right? It is a continuous mm -hmm. unit of communication. Mm -hmm. And when it breaks down in the gut, as you said, then you feel it. we're gonna feel local, but also peripheral effects elsewhere. Mm -hmm. The immune system's gonna get really angry, and when we have an immune dominance for allergy, we have higher occurrence of things like autoimmunity, mm -hmm. thyroid, multiple sclerosis, colitis, because the immune system's too preoccupied with the allergens, it can't scan for defective cells anymore. Mm -hmm. So we have chronic sustained inflammation, which causes a breakdown of tissues. And then, you know, if that happens over a long enough period of time, we get symptoms and eventually we get something called the disease. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to, you know, reiterate that point that when you find yourself, you know, having brain fog, having a memory lapse, you know, getting up to do something and then completely forgetting what you're doing or, you know, losing your words or whatever it is or having these extreme fluctuations in mood, mm -hmm. you know, you got to go back. Like, what were you eating? Your last meal, the meal before that? Yeah, that does take a certain amount of accountability on your mm -hmm. part. And, you know, providing someone doesn't have brain trauma or head trauma from a sport, a concussion, whatever, mm -hmm. there's... It's never happening just to happen. The body doesn't screw up itself on its own. There's always a mediator of that happening. Yeah. And more often than not, I find it's either surrounding food allergens, metabolic issues, or inflammatory problems, mm -hmm. or actually gut dysbiosis, which is a, an imbalance of the bacteria. We're about seven pounds of bacteria living in our digestive system. Yeah. And if we have an imbalance of certain kinds of bacteria, that's gonna affect the communication between our, our brain and our gut via our nerves. Vegas nerve specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as we, I mean, as we can see here, there's a lot of aspects to this, right? And we could talk for hours and still have more to talk about. So we will, I want to switch more to, you know, maybe some of the herbs or supplements, um, things people can get that can really give them some, uh, some quick relief and you know, a noticeable difference. Sure. Right? So, like, for me, I find even something as simple as creatine um, for energy production mm -hmm. or ashwagandha is really my favorite in terms of, like, adaptogenic, supportive herbs. Um, rhodiola coming in shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, you know, if you could share maybe a couple either sources from food or supplements that most people might not um, be getting maybe a choline for instance yeah. I think could be could be an interesting one yeah from food uh, some of the best foods for brain health we mentioned cold water fish mm -hmm. uh, we mentioned flax and those other uh, essential fatty acid uh, containing foods egg yolks are great for choline as is something called uh, sunflower lecithin or sunflower seeds themselves have a high amount of choline in them mm. uh, any good quality protein is always good for making neurotransmitters. So making sure that you're getting, if you do eat meat, you know, the grass-fed beef or uh, naturally raised Mennonite raised chicken, whatever uh, is available to you from a local butcher or something. Mm -hmm. Some other really good things are leafy green vegetables, right? You're going to get a lot of those uh, micronutrient components, things like magnesium, uh, molybdenum, uh, some of the other important things are sulfur, come from garlic. Uh, they are protective, but they're also necessary in converting the food we eat into the energy we utilize. Mm. B vitamins coming from a variety of foods. Uh, if you can stomach it, you know, organ meats are some of the best. Yeah. B vitamins and iron, 
again, very important for making energy in the body, specifically in the brain. As far as supplements go, um, easy ones to use that are directly affecting the brain. Uh, I like this compound called alpha GPC, which mm. is an acetylcholine precursor. You can find that in a lot of brain formulas. Uh, there's another couple herbal ingredients, one called bacopa and another one called huperzine. Mm. Uh, they help to improve connectivity and energy metabolism in the brain as well as neurological function. Mm. If someone has uh, issues with sleep or anything of that nature, you can use something like 5-HTP, which is a serotonin precursor. Uh, holy basil or relora are also really good calming herbs that help uh, shut down the high anxiety brain waves that might be created in someone who has um, too much brain activity mm -hmm. and obviously your, your EPA DHA and anything that helps with inflammation is going to directly affect the brain mm -hmm. and then peripherally I like to support the digestive system so you can do a lot of good with digestive enzymes and probiotics if someone has gut health issues definitely because if you're not breaking the food down you might be creating some of these inflammatory compounds via uh, incomplete digestion and fermentation. Mm -hmm. So something as simple as an enzyme and a probiotic, can even fiber can go a long way in improving gut function, which will end up improving brain function. Yeah, yeah. And the other one, just with the enzymes, right? People, especially if you're eating meat, and if you're always eating in a stressed out state, right? So your body is not capable of producing the acid and the mm -hmm. enzymes that it needs. I always like to throw in some extra hydrochloric acid for most folks. Especially with those protein-heavy meals, um, because in an ideal world we would be, you know, relatively stress-free, ideally with some friends or family, sitting outside somewhere, mm -hmm. taking our time to eat, right? The way they do in like South America or parts of Europe, where lunch is a two-hour, you know, social gathering, and it allows that calmness to really work, so the digestion can do its thing. Um, but you know we got to work with where we're at and where people are at. We got to optimize our environment. Mm -hmm. And so, throwing in you know some of the supportive uh, enzymes, supplements, and so forth, but not forgetting you know the simple, few deep breaths essentially before a meal, mm -hmm. right? Maybe saying a quick grace or some thanks, just to tune down a little bit. Yeah, you want that rest and digest, right? That fight or flight, rest or digest, the two opposing worlds. Mm -hmm. I mean. If you're fight or flight, your body's running from the bear. You're not going to want to break food down when you're trying to run for your life. Mm -hmm. So it really is important to make sure that you're in that proper state, like you said, to eat. Um, and hydrochloric acid is super important because that's kind of the tipping point of the whole digestive cascade. And if you're not breaking proteins down, then a lot of problems can stem from that. So that's an important mm -hmm. point. And then something else to add might be um, not constantly eating. I see people in North America eating every two to three hours because they think it's going to help stoke their metabolism or to promote weight loss. Your body actually does good with a little bit of stress from you know fasting every so often because that can enhance energy metabolism. It's, a, mm -hmm. it's called a hormetic effect, right? Just enough to stimulate an adaptation. Mm -hmm. So when someone's chronically putting food in their system, they're chronically stressing their digestive system and the brain is always getting flush with energy. And a lot of the issues stem from the fact that, you know, you mentioned at the very beginning, carbohydrates and, and the brain. When people get into trouble, they think carbs are the problem. The problem is their brain can no longer use the energy from carbohydrate because their metabolism has been compromised in some way. Mm -hmm. So again, it's not necessarily the sweet potato or the fruit or whatever they're eating. It's the fact that their body can no longer harness this energy substrate or energy source. Mm -hmm. So 
fasting you know from the last meal of the day to the next morning for 10 to 12 hours is a great way for your body to energy to divert energy away from digestion and to restore repair focus on cellular processes that don't need to break down food mm-hmm yeah so definitely eating less right and allowing yourself to really be hungry I find for a time I had forgotten what it was like to really be hungry because I was eating by the clock you know? yes so wake up have breakfast and then it's like oh it's lunch I should eat right instead of like having that real deep sense of okay now I'm really ready to eat 100% right so I love that very simple you know completely free actionable tools just takes you to remember that's all yeah get the brain working and it's not a problem exactly exactly kind of a catch-22 in some instances you got it. but that's why post-it notes are so effective I don't know about you but if I have to remember something I'm writing it down I'm sticking it on my laptop or somewhere I'm gonna see it because I don't trust myself I'm an organized disaster so I have to remember everything or else I don't <laughs> get by so I should probably learn a couple tips from you yeah yeah post-it notes are definitely are definitely a good one um, you were recently in California. I was. I and was in beautiful, sunny California. It's hard yeah. to be back here. Yeah. Yeah. If you're watching this, this is uh, the 1st of February. So winter is pretty much in full swing. And it's chilly. And at least the sun was out today. It's, was it's above freezing. So like I won't complain given the time of yeah. year. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. It's to be expected. But I imagine you've gotten into some pretty cool things out there. And you were telling me before about a very... Um, sort of cutting-edge um, educational tool, diagnostic sort of clinical tool or program mm -hmm. that's coming on the way? Yeah, so the trip out to California was to get together with my mentor. His name is uh, Dr. Ted Achicoso. He's a board-certified physician, uh, specializes in nutritional medicine, anti-aging, among other things. And he's based out of the U.S., uh, but he operates in the U.S., Paris, and in Manila in the Philippines. So he has created and has implemented in, in Asia this practice called health optimization medicine. And why I like this, what drew me to the idea in the first place is that it was something that fills a void that I currently see in healthcare. A lot of people, be it Western medicine or alternative medicine, they focus on the disease process. So mm -hmm. everything is framed at looking at the dysfunction and working off of that. But who's talking about health? Mm. The alternative side is a little bit more towards the health, but they still have a bias of understanding that the disease process is the starting point. So you have to be someone who has a condition in order to see a practitioner for the most part because you're not aware of, oh, you mean I can optimize without having to be sick. Mm -hmm. So health optimization medicine is a system of detection, detection and correction of nutritional and physiological imbalances as they relate to your health. There's no diagnosis. We don't work off of a diagnosis. Rather, you test and measure and then you intervene based upon what that person, that client needs as an individual. Everyone knows B vitamins are good. We can test for that. People think antioxidants are great. Yes, they are, but there is such a thing as too much antioxidant supplementation, mm -hmm. which can cause other problems. We can test for that. So you look at working from the bottom up in terms of a hierarchy, you start with hormones, move up the cellular energetics and what's called a redox balance. The, state of reduction versus oxidation in the cell. We can look at the cellular level now, and then you move up from there to inflammation, immune, and digestive health. Mm. So it doesn't matter if you have something. Someone comes in with diabetes, with hypothyroidism, whatever, great. They're being tested and optimized, and if their symptoms clear up, 
that's a bonus, that's a benefit. Because mm. disease usually comes from excesses or deficiencies. Usually in North America, it's on the deficiency side. So someone who has a brain condition, I mean, if you can go to the cellular level and look at amino acids, look at vitamins, minerals, uh, look at neurotransmitters, whatever, mm. you can start being strategic in your supplementation interventions rather than assessing and guessing, which unfortunately is a limitation of many people because they don't really know exactly what's going on with them. Yeah, yeah, and I love that. I love that these tools are becoming more widespread, right, and more affordable. And right. it's designed to work with illness medicine. So if someone is going to a doctor, great. We're here to complement what's not being serviced there. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to a naturopath, great. They might be using different means, be it herbals, botanicals, rather than pharmaceuticals. Again, we can help service and optimize that scenario. So everyone who has a body is a potential candidate for health optimization. Mm -hmm. It's really about what their worldview is and where they want to take it. Yeah, and do they value it? Do they want to invest in that? And it's totally okay regardless of whatever they do. Mm -hmm. It's there that, and it's offered to them. Yeah, and I love that it's you know complementary, right? Because we, I, I see it sometimes still in the alternative world, you know, this sort of rallying against um, the medical establishment or like putting down certain professions. Yeah. And it's not productive. It's creating opposition. And when you create opposition, you create a me versus you scenario. And the collective doesn't grow because it's not rooted in, in a place of love and well-being and optimal uh, collaboration. It's I'm better than you or you're better than me. And we, I think we need to abolish that. Yes. Doctors are very smart people. Naturopaths are very smart people. The scope of what they do is different. We should accept that and just let it be what it is mm -hmm. and then learn from each other. Yeah, and just find a way to move forward yeah. that puts you know wellness and quality of life at the forefront. Absolutely. Right? It's simple. It's simple when you think about it. It'll come around. It just might take some time. Yeah. Well, and that's what, that's what tends to, you know, potentially rub me the wrong way, is when you see people that are needlessly suffering as a result of that sort of lag, right? It's like yes. the system's not there yet, so people are still being, you know, given unnecessary surgeries or treatments that aren't effective. Um, but again, it's all... It's all part of it, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, 2017 will be the year that we, we launch health optimization in Canada. Uh, it's being done again in Southeast Asia right now. The U.S. will likely be the next stop mm. for implementing this. And there's going to be two streams. And the practitioner stream, which is the alternative healthcare provider, uh, that will be the realm that I'll be uh, focusing on and taking care of. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I'm going to have to find myself in some of those courses. I, I'll let you know when they're coming. Please do. Please we'll do. do. And I want to touch on one other thing that I saw from, I think, your Instagram feed. Yes, sir. Of this very interesting looking computerized sort of device. <laughs> what was that? What were you doing there? Uh, so I'm going to do my best to describe what it is that I experienced because I still don't quite know. Um, this guy is his profession. He works with a lot of NFL and MLB athletes, so football, baseball. and. This device was created out of a necessity of someone who uh, really injured themselves and the purpose of it is to speed healing or to optimize biological function. Okay. Because we are energy, right? Yes. We're nothing more than energy. If you strip us away, we're atoms, electrons, protons, things you can't actually see. They don't matter. Yeah. So you're working on the energetic aspect to stimulate the body stressfully to repair itself. Mm. And in the case of what I did, um, you can use it any part of your body. I mean, 
people who have had uh, ACL tears, Achilles tendons, they utilize it locally there and it will actually speed the healing process. It allows the cells, the cell membrane to be more receptive to nutrients and to take out more waste material so the cell can regenerate faster and okay. operate better. Uh, I use it on my brain. So you can actually simulate different states of brain waves all the way from delta up to high beta or alpha, depending on what it is you want to do. And the problem with the whole brainwave thing that people experience, most people are chronically around electronics, cell phones, computers. Uh, they're stressed out, so they're in this highly stressful brainwave state that is associated with anxiety. Mm -hmm. The reason why things like meditation and mindfulness and deep breathing help, they bring you down to uh, you know, uh, alpha brainwaves, or something where you're kind of in a flow state, right? You want to go down a little bit lower to relax into delta or theta. Mm. So we went through the whole gamut and it almost teaches your body how to be able to physically tap into this so that you can experience the benefits of being in that state but also be able to go back into it when you res return to meditation or mindfulness or get into a flow state where you're working really efficiently or, mm -hmm. or high performing. So, so you're sort of practicing that You're state. priming your body's physical ability to experience this. Okay. And for people who have cognitive problems, uh, Tony, who's the guy who runs it, he's seen huge benefits. Mm. Um, you know, people who have high-functioning performance-based jobs, mm. uh, and obviously athletes because their body is their, their paycheck. So for them, they need to do everything to gain that competitive advantage mm -hmm. from a recovery perspective because that's the hardest part about competing in sports. Mm. It's recovery. It's not the game day. Yeah. But you, he says, you know, you get into this flow state where you can see things happening more slowly or you can think on the fly faster. You can basically be more conscious and aware in an otherwise stressful state. Mm -hmm. Basically attach it to my earlobes like and it shocked my brain. Okay. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. I love playing with that sort of stuff. Yeah, before before we open for a little bit of Q&A, um, I want to change up this question. I usually ask top three sort of resources mm -hmm. that people have uh, you know, really benefited from, but I want to s harness this one in specifically for brain and cognitive performance mm -hmm. and get your top three, whether it's foods or supplements or lifestyle practices, mm -hmm. that would, if you could only choose three, these were the three you would I choose for. only choose three. For a healthy brain. For a healthy brain, I think number one would be meditation. Mm. The reason I say that is Meditation forces your brain to adapt to an environment that is otherwise challenging for people to experience. The ability to focus on nothing. Mm. Whatever your experience with meditation is, is very unique and personal to you. I found with myself that through meditation, I can actually take myself out of a stressful state quite easily. Mm. And I experience less stress on a regular basis because it does actually change the structure and the function of your brain. I mean, meditation causes epigenetic changes in the brain. A lot of people don't know what it does, but you can in harness increased uh, expansion of gray matter. You can reduce the age of your brain through meditation. Mm. You can influence your nervous system state. You can do that rest and digest thing through meditation. Mm -hmm. You improve oxygen flow to the brain. Mm -hmm. So that's a really important factor right there. So that'd be number one. Um, number two would be to optimize your metabolism. Mm. From a dietary perspective, it means not eating too much food means optimizing the amount of nutrients to calories you eat. Many people eat a calorie-rich, nutrient-deficient diet. Mm. So looking at foods that come from the plant kingdom, 70 to 75% of your food, in my opinion, should be from plants, 20, 25% from good proteins or, or animal sources, mm -hmm. and in between you're mixing 
micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants with the macros. Okay. And making sure you're not eating too much. You know, we do better in a slight caloric deficit or just enough to get by rather than super saturating our bodies with calories. Mm-hmm. That would be my number two. Okay. And the third would be exercise. Uh, most people look at exercise as a body benefit thing only. Uh, exercise keeps the brain young in a different way. It stimulates neural connections to be formed. Mm. So the more we do something, the more our body remembers how to do that. And uh, it's almost like learning to play an instrument, right? Exercise has that similar effect to the body, but it also enhance metabolism, it ha- enhances energy production in the brain. So when we exercise, we, we use energy at a higher rate. Mm. And certain aspects of our brain use the, the buildup of things like lactic acid as good energy sources. So, you know, I tell everyone if they're trying to study or they want to be productive, nothing better than studying, going, doing some exercise, and you find you come back, you're very on point because your body and your brain will optimize the energy you've intaken because the metabolic state of your brain is enhanced through exercise. Mm. So I had to pick three. Those would be my three. I love it. I love it. And I just heard recently that they've shown, depending on if you exercise before or after, you can influence short-term and long-term memory. I don't know the specifics. That was... Um, Rhonda Patrick was talking about that. Yeah, she's got a lot of good stuff. Yeah. I mean, the type of exercise matters. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the best bang for your buck is something short-term and intense. Yep. Uh, but your brain still does benefit from some aerobic stuff. It just doesn't have to be hours of cardio and elliptical. It could be a walk outside and, I don't know, the sun. That's always a good choice. Definitely. Definitely. And a lot more enjoyable for most people. Yeah, you feel like a hamster on a wheel when you're on a trip, though. I can't do it. Me either. I can't do it. No. Okay. With that, I'm curious if anyone here in the live audience has questions or wants clarification around anything. And if not, that's cool too. But if you got something. The, the third thing that you're talking about, the sports guy and focusing, um, what is, who was that coach? Who was that guy? And what was it called again? The, uh, the machine that he used? Geez, I think it was something called the Techno Stim. I'd have to check my Instagram. Uh, I posted it up on Instagram. I think it's Roland P. Optimal Health or Roland P. Underscore Optimal Underscore Health. Uh, I don't exactly know what the device was, but there's not many practitioners in the world who utilize it. So I would have to get you that info when I could check. Is that? Yeah. What's it called? Oh, the Equiscope, that was it. The Electro Equiscope. Yes, uh, it is gigantic in a suitcase, and they are not cheap. They're about $35,000. Whoa. Yes, but... um, They are coming out of Tesla technologies, I think. Like impulse electricity and all that cool stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's available. Like PEMF mats are available. That's a Tesla technology. There's a bunch of stuff. so yeah, that's what that was. I'm just gonna see if I can find if any questions came through on the stream. If not, we will wrap shortly. Here we are. So, okay. I guess it's instant answer question time. Yeah. Can't hear. Okay, well, if we don't have anything else, I mean, we are coming up to time, then we will wrap up. Cool, and buddy. I will thank you for coming out and sharing. No 
No worries. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. And we, for those of you watching, we are in the Alternity Lounge. This is a very cool new space that has a menu that will blow your mind and satisfy your taste buds. And um, lots of cool things are happening here. So pretty much every Wednesday, we're doing a chat like this. I'll have a, a guest coming on each time, uh, except for next Wednesday. That's going to be postponed. But keep your eyes out. Connect to the Alternity page. And if people want to follow you, contact you, yes. see what you're up to, what are the best ways to do that? Uh, Facebook, Roland Pankowicz. So it's a nightmare of a name to spell, but there's not many Rolands out there, so that's mm. easy to find me. Connect with me there. Also on Instagram. You mentioned in the beginning, uh, Metabolic Mastery Radio is the podcast that uh, just launched that myself and a friend have teamed up to create, so we'll be bringing some great content there. So yeah, any, any form of social media that you can find me on, by all means, reach out, ask me a question. I'm a pretty friendly guy. Happy to help anyone who needs it. Okay. Beautiful, man. Thank you, Thank sir. You. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. You take care. Take care of your brain. Love your brain. Give it the nutrients that it needs. Give it the quiet, calm, relaxed states that it needs. And you're going to live one hell of a life. So, thank you, thank you, and be well. Take care. Oh God, why me? That's a song that the world sings. Tell the truth, but be careful how you word things. They say cause people ain't ready But I know the same soul Control your brain jelly So I aim steady Ignorance remain deadly The kingdom is within So real kings ain't petty Get it? I don't need ice Water is fine Much better learn How to turn water to wine Yeah And we're still in the club Sitting back sipping yak Just feeling the love While the DJ do his thing Universal language Feel the bass Let it transcend your anguish I'll be watching from a booth in the back Seeing people change clothes Cause the truth is back uh, You're infinite Don't need rims spinning to fill it No minor sin and can kill it uh, You're infinite Don't need rims spinning to fill it And no amount of sin and can kill it No, you're infinite Don't need rims spinning to fill it And no amount of sin and can kill it uh, You're infinite Yeah, you're infinite now take a couple of seconds to feel it yeah, You're infinite, yeah, you're infinite Now take a couple of seconds to feel it They got a lot that they can say and do To try to make it seem real But that'll make it true Nah, what makes it true is when they get you You and me to believe in it and relay it to The next man is spread their lies like a bad disease Infecting everybody's minds, we all casualties Now we're so overwhelmed that we can't conceive A better life for ourselves or our families So these days I'm trying to narrow down my focus And concentrate on the folks that I hold closest Can't keep dwelling on everything that I think is wrong Cause in the end when you blink it's gone And it's your energy that lingers on And I believe it's your memories you bring along So every friend, every enemy you bring along Yeah, so they can try their best But can't control what's behind the flesh Don't stress uh, yeah. Infinite, don't need rims spinning to fill it. And no amount of sinning can kill it. No, you're infinite. Don't need rims spinning to fill it. And no amount of sinning can kill it. Uh, you're infinite. Yeah, you're infinite. Now take a couple of seconds to feel it. Yeah, you're infinite. Yeah, you're infinite. So take a couple of seconds to feel it.